0: Hey, hey, welcome to Why Are We Whispering with me, Jenny Gay, author, stepmom, and all-around truth seeker and teller. If you're tuning in, you too are tired of sugar-coated content and conversations. This is the place where I put a megaphone to the mouths of adults, talking about life experiences that most of us find too shameful, too uncomfortable, too traumatic, and too embarrassing to discuss openly. We dive headfirst into experiences, thoughts, and behaviors that we keep secret or hush-hush, never truly speaking honestly and openly about them, but that most of us have in common. And I'm talking about it because life can be hard, it can be ugly, and it can be painful. And guess what? It's like that for all of us. So let's stop whispering. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Why Are We Whispering podcast. Um, Today, I want to talk about sex. Actually, orgasming, to be more specific, and to take it one step further, women having orgasms. So a little tidbit for you, I just recently read that um, July 31st is actually National Orgasm Day, so I had no idea there was a a whole day dedicated to sexual pleasure, which is amazing. Um, I want to talk about women and orgasming because far too often I'm finding myself in conversations with friends who tell me essentially that they aren't having orgasms with their husbands. So this opens up obviously Pandora's box um, as far as I'm concerned. So today we're not just talking about orgasms, we're talking about intimacy, the desire discrepancy, self-pleasuring and all of the wonderful things that come with it. And to help me do that is... Carla Crivaro, who is a sex and relationship expert and coach. She helps men and women who feel insecure and unsatisfied in the bedroom to feel more desirable and confident in their sex lives. So thank you so much for joining me today, Carla. Thank you for having me, Jenny. I'm really excited about today's talk. I think it's so, it's so easy because even as I'm, as I'm, you know, introing you and, and, um, even as I was preparing today for, you know, it's so easy to make light of it and and kind of giggle through it. Um, when we're talking about sex and, um, specifically for whatever reason, women's pleasure. And I just think it, it, we're, we're doing ourselves a massive disservice because it's actually quite integral to the longevity of our marriages and our relationships and also a huge part of where self-esteem is derived and and where confidence can come from and all of those wonderful things. So um, I'm going to do my best to take this as seriously as possible um, <laughs> and not giggle like a little girl. So thank you so much, Carla, for being here.
1: Yeah, thank you. And it's really interesting as well that you said like women's pleasure because, you know, and and use a word taken seriously, because I would say that socially speaking and also medically speaking as well like women's pleasure is not taken as seriously as say men you know men for for any performance anxieties that they might have have like viagra and then you know women a lot of women Mm -hmm. with vaginismus or you know struggling to orgasm like if a man struggled to ejaculate there are there are you know there's lots of resources and support out there Um, but I like I've had a client come to me recently who's only been able to have a few weeks support from the NHS and now he's having to come privately so to 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 my practice to actually get support around the fact that she can't orgasm so so yeah and I, I think that's the thing like women's pleasure isn't taken seriously and it is generally seen as a bit of a giggle and yeah let's Be serious, but also let's have fun about it as well, you know, because it's like, let's relax into the conversation. Let's have some fun because women deserve to have fun and pleasure. And I think the biggest problem that we have around orgasm is the fact that we are not allowing ourselves that time and that pleasure. It's all about what am I doing for my family? What am I doing for my partner? You know, how am I showing up in the best way I possibly can at work? Um, and we're always giving out and outsourcing to other people. And one of the things that we need to start doing mm-hmm. is looking a little bit more inward. And what I notice is that, you know, this is definitely the, the the case for women in their 20s and 30s. But then as we hit like 40s and 50s, all of a sudden women are coming and, and taking a look at themselves. My invitation is let's start doing that yes. sooner. Let's get the younger women looking at their own pleasure and not accepting touch that doesn't feel pleasurable just to keep their partner happy. Um, and let's not wait till we're in our 40s and 50s. Let's having start start having great sex and orgasms as soon as possible, rather than waiting for that sexual awakening to happen when we're perimenopausal and we're no longer taking the
0: bullshit. Absolutely. I'm with you. So there's a term that I, I just came across, um, which is called the orgasm gap. So I'm not sure if anyone's ever heard of that before, but it's basically the disparity in orgasms between couples, um, or orgasm inequality. So this extends to women um, self pleasuring versus when they're actually having heterosexual sex with their their husbands. So can you talk us through what what the orgasm gap is and why 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 are women in heterosexual relationships not orgasming to the same degree or frequency as their male partners um so many different
1: elements to this so um, one of them is the fact that um, and we're talking here with heterosexual relationships because the orgasm gap for women who are in homosexual relationships so two women together that gap is con- considerably less so the women in lesbian relationships are having more orgasms than women who are in heterosexual relationships so so we're talking right now about heterosexual yes, I can relationships. That. <laughs> <laughs> so referring to heterosexual relationships. Confirmed. So the um the thing is <laughs> the thing is with um the way that we see sex in heterosexual relationships, we tend to see sex as sexual intercourse. So what that means right. is we tend to see sex as penis in vagina and anything outside of that isn't sex. So oral sex isn't considered sex, you know, hand jobs, you know, um, digital sex. We don't tend to see that as sex, but it is sex because, you know, well, what we're we saying to women who are lesbians that they're not having sex, you know. So it, first of all, it's how we're viewing sex. And so what that means right. is a lot of people think that they should be having an orgasm from penetration alone. Only 20% of women are able to orgasm from penetration alone. So that's a really small amount. So when women come to me and say, I can't mm-hmm. orgasm from penetration, and I'm like, is there any clitoral stimulation there? And they're like, no. And I'm like, that's really common. You know, are you having an orgasm? Yeah. <laughs> are you having an orgasm from clitoral stimulation? And, and you know, depending on who they are, it can be hit and miss as to whether they are or not. So because a lot of sex is very focused on the man and his experience, that's why a lot of women feel that they that, that there's a problem with them because you know they're not having the, the the orgasm that they expect to have from penetration alone. Another thing that happens is um, women in those situations quite often tend to fake orgasms. So another problem that I have um, come across, both from men that come to me as clients, but also, you know, the women that come to me is that they will say that they've been faking it. And the problem is when you fake an orgasm, it's really difficult to go back and change what you've been doing. And women fake orgasms for lots of different reasons. They fake them because they don't feel that safe in the relationship to be able to have an orgasm. Um, And it's not necessarily that the man is doing anything particularly wrong, but it could be their own like trauma and their own background um, and they feel like this sense of, you know, they have to, in a way, perform to to to, to for, for, for the man's attention. Yes. A lot of women also don't want to hurt a man's feelings by saying to him, I prefer it if you touch me like this, you know? So there's the fear of communication. Some women fake orgasms because they're worried that their partner might cheat on them. So if he thinks he's a good lover, he might stick around and he might not cheat on me. There was some um, research done in Brazil and a lots of different reasons around why women fake orgasms and the top ones were around keeping the man happy in some shape or form because there was a fear that he might leave
0: so that is definitely do a thing but you know theme. what bothers me about that one? Um, what bothers me about that is that um and i and i did read that it was like something like 43% of women um in one study it said 43% and in another study it said 59% so i guess you can say between 43 about half of us are are fake, have faked an orgasm but what really bo- bothers me about that is that men aren't concerned if their sexual performance is good enough to keep their partner but women are concerned is that is that would you is that what you would say is happening or is that not is that no, is me- that not me- a men
1: are very concerned about their sexual performance. I literally, just before coming on this call, I had um, um, a compatibility call with a male client who is very much concerned about his performance because he's losing his erection. So, um, so yeah, men. and the thing is, for men, in a way, it's more difficult for them to, to fake their, you know, arousal or pleasure or yeah. fake being in their heads because quite often, I mean you know anyone listening right now will know at some point you know they have said yes to sex when they've not really wanted it they've continued with sex when it's not really been something that they wanted to do but they didn't want to upset or offend the other person and it's a lot easier especially for women to do that than it is for men because if a man starts not feeling aroused or something's turning him off it's more difficult for him to keep going whereas you know with women we can just sort of like clench our teeth and,
0: and pretend yeah so it's um I find all of this very fascinating. I, I was having a, a conversation with a friend and she was saying that, um, she's never had an orgasm with her husband. Does never she have once.
1: orgasm? Does she have her orgasms from
0: self-pleasuring? Yes. And so it's not her inability to orgasm or to reach orgasm or to, to experience pleasure which i'm sure this is the case with way more women than we'd like to admit um and i my heart kind of broke for her a little bit because it's such a massive part of um not just your own kind of you know your own pleasure but your connection during sex as well to your partner and connection and intimacy is so key and if you feel like you can't express that you're not experiencing it the way that he's able to spe- experience it that I imagine that's quite soul destroying and can really hit your self confidence and your self esteem to quite a degree. And um, I just wonder, with your experience with your clients, I'm sure you've had that a lot. What would you if you if she was sitting in front of you right now as a client, what would you say to her? Oh my goodness, mate! It would absolutely depend on like
1: so many different factors. So with re- it, it, it can be related to sort of like communication. So the fact that she's not communicating mm-hmm. what she likes and what she doesn't like, and he might be reacting in a way that means that she can't communicate. So you know, maybe exploring their okay. relationship and their relationship dynamic. It can also be, you know, I've had a um, um, a client recently who's quite new and what we're exploring is her relationship to men generally based on the way her father was when she was younger. And that has affected her relationship to men, which has affected how safe she feels with men. Um, I've had other people as well who um, have had, you know, experiences of sexual trauma, you know, sexual assault. um, People who have been taught, as I was saying earlier about not, you know, work hard do the right thing keep going graft 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 you know like having that idea that pleasure no pleasure no fun you need to keep going so they don't feel safe in being able to have fun because there's this element of guilt like i'm not really allowed to to have fun and pleasure i need to put my head down and work really really hard so you know and these are just some of the examples of like previous clients and and what it has been for them um so if putting somebody in front of me it could it could be a huge spectrum of things um, if they're not having an orgasm yeah. with their partner. And I think to a certain extent, women have a, 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 an idea in the back of their head that there's this sort of like knowing which they might deny, but they, that, you know, there is always this knowing of, of what the cause is.
0: I would agree with that. And I, I think it, it does take some, some courage to kind of d- dive into that to make the decision to dive into that and where it's all stemming from. Um, Okay. So I want to kind of shift gears to the self-pleasuring because when we're talking about women who can actually orgasm during sex with their, or pleasuring themselves, but not during sex, there are some women who I actually do know who don't actually self-pleasure at all. Now, I would imagine, obviously, I'm not an expert in the space. This is why you're here. I would imagine that um, if you aren't able to, or you're not self-pleasuring, so you're not orgasming on your own, that that would be next to impossible to understand what you like sexually when you're having intercourse with your husband. So is that true? First of all, is that true? And second of all, um, what would you say to the women who aren't self-pleasuring for a number of reasons i think in the case of this one particular woman that i know i think there was probably some um trauma associated with um self-pleasuring maybe she was caught or something as a, at a young age and she has um some shame and embarrassment and um who knows associated i didn't i didn't dive into that i'm making assumptions here but i'm sure that she would not be the only one who had that similar story so i want to i want to get your kind of input on self-pleasuring shame I guess you could call it yeah
1: and so um and how how, yeah. how, how is that so when it comes to um self-pleasuring and then can somebody have an orgasm with their partner some people can have an orgasm with their partner even if they're not self-pleasuring so it doesn't necessarily mean one or the other um you that they the, the, you okay. know they're that they're necessarily connected um what my experience is with the women that I've worked with and also you know when you look socially um and and society and how we approach our own bodies um the thing is that the difference that we have as women compared to men is everything that we have for most women is tucked away I mean you have the inner labia for some women that that comes out but what I mean is things are between your legs and when you stand up and look in the mirror you don't really get to see it everything whereas a man you know when he stands yeah. in front of the mirror gets a full front of view of everything that he has so he's pretty confident I mean there are a lot of men that that, that have a lot of discomfort around their own genitals but you know they're, they're more used to seeing them and you know a lot of women that I work with have never looked at themselves in the mirror um, you know the first time that they might look up look at themselves is after birth as well when they didn't even know what they looked like before then they're making judgments on their bodies post-birth and mm. they didn't even know what their vulva looked like b- beforehand um right and so you know with that when you have you know this Sort of like putting yourself down as well. Um, you know, so maybe you just don't have good body image, generally speaking, then an intimate part of yourself, you know, there is a lot of um fear and discomfort then of wanting to touch those parts of you. And something that's just popped into my mind now is I remember as well, um, when we were, gosh, about 14, 15, um one of the girls went behind like the bike sheds or something with one of the boys and you know she was fingered and then the boy came back talking about how she smelled so and because we don't know like what healthy smell is and what we don't know you know unhealthy smell is and you know some women are using products to hide their natural fragrance um you know with like Mm -hmm. perfumes which can be really damaging to the vulva um that also discomfort and that shame that we have around our own vulvas what that means is then when somebody else is touching us as well we can feel an element of discomfort but we also don't want to touch ourselves because we don't know if the smell is right we don't know if it's if it's a good smell and because we may have heard other people talk about the smell again you know um we don't know and I've had women ask me like you know how should I smell and they've asked me like you know, my is shaped like this, and they've described it, like, is that normal? And there's this fear of not knowing what's what's normal and what isn't, because we don't see yep. any examples of it. And, you know, for women who watch porn, because there's an increase in younger women also watching um, porn for self-pleasure, you know, the vulva, the different types of vulvas are very, very limited there in, in, in what's shown as well, and, like, the, the spectrum of colour that's available is quite limited um and so again that adds to that idea of like this is what my body should look like or shouldn't look like and then you know as children one of the things that um, we do with children which creates this idea of shame around genitals is we don't use the proper words so we don't say penis and vulva and vagina you know we use other words like like willy or flower or i mean i don't know some of them because we don't use them we use you know the anatomically correct words so that in itself not Mm -hmm. using the the correct terminology the scientific words that we should be using not using with our children and using other words is teaching them to have this disconnect from their own bodies you know we wouldn't call our fingers something different to finger so why are we not using those correct words for for our genitals
0: It's so funny that you say that because I've actually used like that exact phrase before when talking um, in my own groups of friends and even to our our kids. Like we've always used the anatomically correct terminology more, I guess, more because I think it keeps them safe. So if anyone was, you know, trying to touch them inappropriately and using silly words to do it um making it feel like a game, they would know, no, that's my vagina, or no, that's my penis, and you're not allowed to touch it, kind of thing. So from from my point of view, it it, I started doing it as a safety um precaution. But yes, I've actually said, well you wouldn't call your arm something else. Why would you call your vagina something else? And it it makes it it almost makes it seem like your um your vagina and your penis are like it's silly. It's something that's not to be taken seriously. Um, and that's, that's my huge bother with it when it comes to, to, uh, you know, adults um, referencing them not anato- in their anatomical names. So I love that you just said that.
1: I've got a couple of boys and I'm very open, you know, and because they have access to to my, um to my drawer and um j- just this, just this drawer they, they sometimes find themselves in. And like, I've got like an actual sort of So it's a packer, you know, so some women like to use packers and some men like to use packers. But I have these. And so, you know, when I'm saying to my children, you know, how to clean their penis, make sure you pull back the foreskin. So I explain where the foreskin is and, you know, really having those open conversations about how to clean themselves and how to clean their bodies. Um, And I think it. That, that is important. So encouraging them to have that relationship with their own body so that they know what it feels like, you know, because we teach them to wash yeah. their hair properly. We teach them how to wash under their arms properly, you know, the points where, you know, that they might smell. So also teaching them how to clean without soap their I genitals. Do. Yeah, but also mm-hmm. naming it and, and encouraging them to feel comfortable with their bodies I think is really important.
0: So do you think that there is um, a connection between um, the current kind of rape culture porn and the men who so statistically men are actually orgasming way more than women are during heterosexual sex? Do you think that that is connected to the rape culture porn that, that men are watching and that there's almost this like selfishness? um to their connection to their sexual pleasure versus women's sexual pleasure
1: oh my goodness so this is such a massive topic so when it comes to selfishness i okay so what we we need to really roll back um and going returning here to like childhood and look at how women and men are socialized differently so women are encouraged Mm -hmm. or, or young girls are encouraged to share their feelings talk about their problems um, have that emotional and physical connection with each other as they are growing up. And it's, that's really encouraged amongst girls. Girls have, um, you know, they're allowed to cry more. They're not allowed to be angry, but they're allowed to cry. Whereas boys are sort of encouraged more to be tough, to be more competitive, to fight against each other. Anger is more allowed within boys than sadnesses. Men are very much taught, you know, young boys are taught to be stoic, they are taught, you know, that to be good, strong men, don't be too weak, don't be too huggy or physical. And so women grow up with this safety and this ability to feel physically and emotionally connected to other people. A lot of boys and men are being mm-hmm. socially conditioned not to. So men do, though, also crave physical connection. Um, And they do crave physical touch. And there are some amazing men's groups at the moment which encourage that among men. But unfortunately for a lot of men who are sort of trapped in that idea of what masculinity should be, what it, you know, how a man should behave, um, which some people call toxic masculinity or other people call it being a man in the box, Mm -hmm. so stuck in a particular box, What that means is for a lot of men that they um, the only time that they ever get physical connection with another human being is through sex. So men crave that physical intimacy and physical connection like women do, but they have only been taught that it's safe and appropriate through sexual activity. So Mm. is it selfishness? They have a need that needs to be met, and they have been taught that sex is the, most appropriate way for them to get it so but deep down the work that I have done with men I would say no because once they've had a certain amount of connection with a woman when the sex life starts to go and I speak to them and they haven't had sex for a couple of years the first things that they're looking for from their partner is just to be able to have a cuddle like sex is just that's that's the desire further down the line but immediately the first thing that they're actually looking for is just to be able to sit on the sofa and have a cuddle and watch tv together so um that is how i would answer that question and then in relation to porn i think for young people this idea of what sex is has skewed a certain extent um i do i am aware that children as young as nine and 10 are being exposed to porn and that is affecting their idea of of what sex is and this is why we need to have really open conversations with children about what sex is because if we are not having that conversation they're going to learn it from from elsewhere and that's going to be online and I remember hearing about um, a 12 year old girl who kissed a boy for the first time and he grabbed her by the throat and he thought that was normal because he'd seen porn he thought that that's what you do when you you know have intimacy with with somebody so there's there is a miseducation from porn but that also comes from the fact that as a society you know and that's why we're having this conversation on a podcast called why are we whispering because we are (laughs) whispering about these topics we're not openly having those discussions and that's what's causing
0: the problem right we need to hit it head on and we need to to, to not be afraid and we need to not be embarrassed or, or carry shame around it because this is actually our living reality. And as you mentioned, children as young as as nine are, um, are accessing porn and they are seeing these things. And it's not a reality that many parents want to admit um, because they are the ones providing them with the devices to do so. And that's a whole different podcast that, um, you know, that we could go on for days about, about that and access um, through devices um, and the internet. But um, it is a reality. And so I think we do need to nip it in the bud and we need, I, I, I mean, I don't know what the answer is around, um, you know, women at a younger age, perhaps um, owning their sexual pleasure or being given the platform or being um, told that they're allowed to self-explore or to own their sexuality and their pleasure. Um, I don't even know about, you know, is that even an appropriate conversation to have with um, not, I don't think a child maybe, but maybe your teenage daughter. I don't know. Like this is parents, our listeners need guidance on this because we don't have the answers. We're all kind of walking a bit in the dark around it. and, And we don't want to misstep because it is something that could end up traumatizing um, your child. And we just want a healthier generation, I think, of women who are enjoying sex as much as their, their male counterparts are. Exactly that. And um, there are, there
1: is um, an organization called Sex Positive Families, and it has books and resources which are age appropriate. So, so you can basically have their resources to, to literally guide you through as your children grow up. But going back to what you were saying there about sort of women and knowing their bodies, the thing is, so what I have seen, so I went to um, a play party, and what I noticed was there was this woman and she was um, she was having she, – so she was probably like late 20s, early 30s, and she was um, with a guy, and the guy was rubbing her clitoris like he was sanding down a skirting board. Um, and I thought to oh. myself – I thought to myself that just, that, that, I just can't imagine that being like pleasurable whatsoever. And, and, um, yeah. And, and she was, she was lying there. She didn't look necessarily too keen, but she wasn't saying anything. And I just, and I thought to myself, like, either she is self abandoning and not speaking up for herself. Or oh, another thing is as well. So when I went on my non-monogamy journey, so I was non-monogamous for like a couple of years and we would meet up with with men um like have a date and then like meet up with them for sex and something that I noticed in them with the men that I was meeting was that they um they were going straight for things like penetration that they um yep that they didn't spend hardly any time on my clitoris. And then they were surprised when I wasn't having an orgasm from, from penetration alone. And, and, um and I think that the element of that is that because there are women that are faking it, they're sort of in a way ruin it for the rest of us. And then there are also yes. this, and then also there's this thing that like, even though I'm a sex coach at one point I was like, is it my body? <laughs> like. Because, because it was, it was like so pervasive. Um, And yeah, when I was in my 20s, like I'm 43, it was different. Like men did spend more time. um, Like I remember men playing with my clitoris, you know, while penetrating me and, and me having an orgasm. But like no one, no one did that. And I just thought, found that really bizarre. And I started, you know, even though I know, I know my own body, and I know about sex. There was a point at which I thought, oh, like, uh, is something different, <laughs> like from 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 twenty years ago. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, the porn is definitely porn. Mainstream porn is definitely for the male gaze. That is porn that is ethical and you know um, feminist in nature so you know I think when we use the term porn most people are are, are talking about mainstream porn Um, like the stuff that you can get on your phone um, that you have easy access to and the videos are like 10-15 minutes long so you know those that's the porn that most people are generally um, referring to because I just want to say that there is ethical they call it ethical porn there is ethical porn out there as well but um but yeah, so so I thought to myself, this is really interesting because women who don't are not as confident as me in their own bodies, who don't have the knowledge that I have, will begin to question themselves that there's something wrong and I am broken and that's why, you know, I'm not having an orgasm. And so that was a massive realisation for me, like as where to a certain extent we're, we're going wrong um, when it comes to, to women's pleasure yeah. and women's orgasms
0: yeah and and it's it's i think it's wildly um the case in marriages um and i think that at the, you know the longer you're with somebody and the more comfortable you get and the more life kind of gets in the way um we lose sight of our sexual autonomy so what m- we might have really enjoyed maybe prior to getting married or even at the beginning of our our relationships kind of dwindles out and you just kind of almost lose that part of yourself, that, that sexual part of yourself. So what would you, what advice would you give to couples who are been together for ages and maybe, you know, they're having sex once a month or if that, and when they do, it's quite, you know, they're in and they're out. They know how to get the job done and they're just having, you know mundane like boring sex um what what would you say to couples um in, or in terms of advice to kind of i hate to the term spice things up but you know <laughs> to kind of get your groove back a little bit and and breathe some life into your marital bed
1: okay so i'm going to answer this question like a bit backwards so if i don't answer that specifically come back to me but i want to talk about like what actually happens at the beginning like where it all goes wrong so if we if we explored that um and then we can go to if people are in that place now what they can do differently so to prevent it so women are extremely sexual beings so you know there's lots of research that shows that women are naturally promiscuous so promiscuous means that um willing to have sex with lots of different people um, and that's within our nature um, and our closest relatives the bonobos are a classic example of that um, and in the show notes if you like i can give you some um a couple of book recommendations so for people that are curious they can go and learn more about that but what happens is um because women require novelty require excitement For a lot of women, 18 to 24 months into a relationship, a long-term relationship, they start losing interest in sex. And quite often it's because um, they aren't experiencing the novelty. Women, when they have orgasms, want more orgasms. So if they're not getting the Mm -hmm. orgasms, then they stop enjoying sex. Um, Women enjoy, um, also because women require longer time to reach orgasm. So for most women, it's between 20 to 40 minutes it can take to get to orgasm from clitoral stimulation. Whereas for um, men, from penetration, the average man, it takes four minutes for him to um, reach orgasm. So there's a massive difference there. What that means is, you know, we need to be prioritizing women's orgasm and pleasure first before then moving on Mm -hmm. to to other areas of play and exploration um and so also when it comes to heterosexual sex is not going on that linear sort of um you know foreplay maybe fumble around with her for a bit fumble around with him for a bit then we move on to penetration at some point just before penetration she may or may not have orgasmed and then from penetration then we go into um the man's ejaculation and so everyone has this well a lot of people have this as like their main focus in their direction and it's like well how can we remove that focus of penetration and how can we get really curious and explore each other's bodies you know so and you know a lot of men that come to me for example with like performance anxiety and erectile issues One of the first things that I'm inviting them to Mm -hmm. do is really enjoy being with their partner with a flaccid penis, like, you know, because she doesn't need your penis to be hard for her pleasure to be explored or acknowledged. And you can still experience pleasure as a man being touched, you know, on your testicles Prostate is the place, um, uh, the source of multiple orgasms for men, you know, so there's lots of different areas which can be explored Um, and it's really about getting curious about each other's body and getting into a place of play. Um, And then when it comes to, um, so I have remembered, so when it comes to, you know, if we're already in that place now and we're having sex only once a month. Um, or, you know, once a year, whatever it might be, but it's less frequent. What mm-hmm. happens for human beings is, you know, we get a lot of our feelings of desires towards people because um, they are a mystery to us. So they are somebody that's new, that's somebody that's exciting. And it's like, how can we maintain mm-hmm. that? So things like date nights, doing things that, you've not done before with your partner. So you get to see them in a completely different light, reignites in you that sense of like wonder and interest and amazement. Um, Also, you know, removing again, this like need to focus on penetration. Like how can we explore each other and take penetration off the table? And how can we take orgasm for both people off the table? Because what happens is for a lot of people, it's like, okay, we're going to have sex So the focus becomes, you've got to have your orgasm, I've got to have my orgasm, and then we've done it successfully, you know, we've achieved it. But if you remove orgasm completely, and it's like, how can I experience fun with this person's body? And, you know, how can I take my own enjoyment from touching and being with this other human being? Um, It's a completely Mm -hmm. different, like, focus of attention. It's rather than what can I get and how can I get to my end? It's like, how can I have fun? with this person and this human in front of me and, and take pleasure for myself in touching them.
0: I love that. So it's the process rather than the end goal. Absolutely, yeah. So it's just, it's, and that to me would be ultimate intimacy. Exactly. Because also as well, you're
1: slowing everything down um, and you're mm-hmm. giving yourself the opportunity to really get to know somebody's body differently, you know, because you get to try things You know, maybe that the way that you touch them is different. You know, maybe you just say, okay, I'd really like to give you a penis massage or I'd really like to give you, like, a vulva massage. And you just have this opportunity just to touch in a different way and like, oh, how does that feel if I rub you here like this? And, you know, if I lick you there like that, how does that feel? And just being really curious and, and trying something different as in, you know, also for yourself, like, if I hold his penis like this, like, you know, and you hold it in every where you want to, like, how does that feel in my hands? You know, how does it feel in my hands to like touch his testicles and, and feel the weight of them and the warmth of the skin and, you know, the wrinkliness and just getting really curious about how the other person's body feels within your hands.
0: So I can, I can say with honesty that I am certain that there will be many listeners thinking to themselves there's no fucking way I can have that conversation with my husband that that I'm or they they might they obviously they can but they probably feel like they couldn't like that they would be embarrassed they'd be afraid of rejection what you know that he'd laugh you know I don't know I just feel like there doesn't seem as as many as as much as couples love each other and have been together for ages they're I think there comes a point when you don't really talk like that anymore. Absolutely, I, that I think that is probably where many couples feel like they, they're missing that bit, and that's why they can't get there into the relationship. Because I, like I said at the beginning, I would be giggling, you know when my wife and I have conversations about certain things, I'll be like, there's no way I would do that because I'd be laughing the whole time I was doing it. Like I'm just, I'm juvenile like that.
1: (laughs) But but Jenny, can 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 you not laugh
0: the whole time and do it as well? Yes, of course you can. Of course you can. And actually that would be so much fun. But then couples, I think, need to get back to a place where they're comfortable getting intimate with each other and getting real, like stripping down and just like, bearing yourselves to to one another um and i think life gets in the way of of being able to do that so i i think what would be really helpful is maybe letting our listeners know maybe some um some tips or like just some conversation starters to, so they can start having those conversations or warming their their partners up to that the possibility of getting to that place because I think it's the embarrassment and the fear of rejection or being laughed at.
1: Yeah. So, um, and it is, it all starts with communication and something that that I just want to say just before, um, before we move on to that question is, um, yeah, like when I was going through that period of non-monogamy, you know, there was a, the, the odd man that turned around and said, you know, oh, gosh, I've never really like fully had a chat with somebody about sex before actually having sex with them, <laughs> like you know, about what what each person liked or didn't like, you know. And so most of us are going around that fumbling, fumbling in the mm-hmm. dark, like doing what we've done in previous people, hoping that it works on this one, which quite often it doesn't because we're all different um and without ever having Mm -hmm. a conversation and then we wonder why you know our spots not being hit hit hit, and we're not hitting the spots of our partners but we've not because we've never actually talked about it so um yeah so communication is absolutely the first step and um the way that i would go into that sort of conversation is starting something really really positive so i imagine quite a few of the listeners will have heard of like the sandwich you know, where you start with something good, then bring up whatever it is that you need to bring up and then finish with something good. So, you know, um, starting with something good, like I really enjoy um, spending time together and the intimacy that we have. You know, I really enjoy um, being with you and, you know, in, in a sexual way and then bringing in what it is that I'd like to try So, um, you know, I've never really explored, you know, this feels really vulnerable for me um, and I'm experiencing a little bit of shame and embarrassment. So talking about how your emotions, you're preparing the person already for how you feel. Um, But I've always been Mm -hmm. interested in exploring anal sex and I'm wondering how you would feel about that, Um, you know, because I just feel finishing with something positive, it would be a really great way to build a connection you know, and try something different and bring a level of excitement. And I'd really like to explore that with you. I think we would have lots of fun together trying.
0: Would you recommend, so I I would kind of deem all of this kind of building your sex esteem, right? So you're <laughs> building up the courage and building up your confidence to have these conversations. Would you recommend um, saying to your partner, I'm just being honest and saying, you know, um, I want to talk to you about our sex life because I'm dissatisfied. Or is that too I, much of a negative? I would yeah. to start the conversation with.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't start with something like dissatisfied just because the other person is likely to take it like that they are doing something Negatively. wrong. Yeah. So like there, right. there's some sort of criticism. So looking for a way that you're saying, you know, I like you. I like our connection. This is what I like you to do. And I would like to add this to it, you know. So if you go in with a problem, it's like, try and bring the solution. So so if they're not touching you in the right way, you know, during, like, oral sex, for example, like, you know, when when your tongue is on me, it's really, really hard. Instead of saying that, saying, you know, I really enjoy oral sex with you. I like the softness of your lips. And I'd really like it next time when when we do oral sex to see what it would feel like with your tongue being lighter on my clitoris. And they would just like to see how that would feel. Um, would you be open to trying that? And they'd probably go, yeah, great. But if you turn around and go, when you when you go down on me and you you lick me, it's really hurts because it's too hard. You know, he's going to be like, yeah. And this, and this is the thing as well. When we get really, really comfortable with our partners, we do speak to them and treat them in a way that we would never really do with our friends, you know, because we're so close and yeah. intimate. We don't, we we are less careful about their feelings and how they might take something. we're a lot more like direct, passive aggressive, because we're so focused on our own needs and our own, you -hmm. know, where we aren't being met that we don't actually look at, hang on a minute, how's the other person going to feel? And I think quite often because men have been socialized in a particular way to be stoic, they have come across like that. But they take it so to heart when they receive those criticisms. Like, they take it so personally, and it really, really does affect them. They might not look like they do, and if they turn around and attack you and get defensive, that means they've taken it to heart and really personally, and they feel really, really wounded by that, you know. Even though it doesn't feel like that to you, that's how they've taken it.
0: And what message would you leave um, this episode on? So what what message do you really want to get across to listeners about um, orgasms and self-pleasure and healthy sex life and sex esteem and all that good stuff?
1: So my message would be touch yourself, know what you like and what you don't like. Take a look in the mirror, like at your vulva, um, and notice what comes up for you there. Mm -hmm. Learn communication. Um, and learn to listen as well because your partner will give also from being able to listen to them will give insights as to what's going on and what's what their fears are and be curious about you know what it is that they bring up as well because having your needs met means that you also need to meet the needs of somebody else you're in a relationship you know there's two of you there so it's about meeting each other um and ask for what you want you know um and if you don't Feel worthy of asking for what you want, then work on your worthiness.
0: Absolutely. And my hope is that for those listening, is for them, you know, don't carry shame or embarrassment around this topic because you're not the only ones. This is normal. All couples go through dry spells, and there's millions of women out there who are not orgasming and who have never self-pleasured. And are starting from scratch in terms of learning. So reach out to somebody like Carla to maybe ignite that and and get some tools so you can start that that sexual exploration journey because it is it is a part of who we are and and I think we too easily neglect it um, and I just think we're doing ourselves a massive disservice. And you're going to just gain such a massive part of you if you if you bring that that aspect back into your life. Um, and I, I always end on a, a note where I ask my guests Carla about a time in their life where they didn't speak up or out um, about something that they saw or experienced, and they wish they did. So, do you do you have a moment like that that you could share with us? Yeah. So um, it's interesting. The one
1: that popped into my head actually. So um, so there's a group of um, women. So it was a room full of women, and there was one man in the room. <laughs> And one of the women started making jokey comments like innuendo um, towards the man. And um, and it was really interesting because there was a part of me that was like, oh, yeah, you know, this is funny. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh, my goodness me, if this was a woman experiencing that in a room full of men, that would be frightening. And then I thought, and I mm. looked at the man and I was like, oh, my goodness, he is actually feeling really uncomfortable because it's intimidating and so I wish I had spoken up and said something because because yeah I think as women we do have this idea that men can just take it on the chin and they really can't and sometimes mm-hmm. we forget that a situation that makes us feel uncomfortable that men can feel the same discomfort as well um so yeah I wish I had sure. said some yeah I wish I had said something The reason that I didn't was I couldn't think quickly enough of what to say. And also there was a fear of um, being the troublemaker and also a fear of, um, yeah, being like viewed by everybody as like trying to to cause trouble. And so then what I learned from that is as a woman, when I've been in those experiences before, when... there's been a man saying inappropriate things to me and the other men haven't spoken out now i understand why they didn't because i did exactly the same thing and it's not to say that those men listening were. it's not to say that those men listening were necessarily agreeing but their silence meant that the person speaking felt that they were agreeing, but their silence was probably also the fact that they didn't agree, but didn't know how to say differently. So, um so yeah, it was, it all happened in the space of five minutes, but it was a massive sort of like, whew, like observing everything from lots of various
0: different angles simultaneously. Yeah. Wow. Thank you so much for sharing that. Cause I do think that we, we do lose sight. I think oftentimes as women that, that men do share the same kind of sentiments and feelings and emotions and, and do share some experiences as well, um, that are similar to ours. Um, so I, yeah, whether a man or woman, if, if someone is being made to feel uncomfortable or exploited or, you know, embarrassed in a group dynamic that, we should all kind of take a page out of your experience and and next time make sure that we're the ones to, to stand up and say, no, this, this isn't appropriate. And that person, I'm sure their life would be changed from that as well. So thank you so much for sharing that story and that experience and thank you for lending us your expertise on the (laughs) orgasm sex relationship intimacy all of that good stuff and hopefully our listeners will go out and and have some better sex tonight
1: (laughs) (laughs) or at least over the course of the week when they're feeling less tired
0: (laughs) (laughs) all right thank you so much carla thanks jenny Thank you for listening to the Why Are We Whispering podcast. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you are listening and leave a review. You can also follow us on Instagram at whywhisperpodcast. And don't forget to speak up and out. Let's stop whispering.